They're coming to get you, Barbara. Stop it. You're ignorant. They're coming for you, Barbara. Stop it. You're acting like a child. Look, they're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. Bang! You're dead. <laughs> Alright guys, so this one is just me. Uh, we're going to do a little double feature today, a little Romero double feature with a guest. So our first movie is 1988's Monkey Shines. Once there was a man whose prison was a chair. The man had a monkey. They made the strangest pair. Jeff, what is it? The monkey ruled the man. It climbed inside his head. And now, as fate would have it, one of them is dead. Monkey Shines, an experiment in fear. Rated R. Starts Friday, July 29th at a theater near you. This film opens with a text blurb about the Helping Hands program, um, about helper monkeys, and a warning, pretty much being like, you are going to see some fucked up monkey shit up in this movie, man. Uh, this was Romero's first kind of real, like, big studio gig, especially his first studio gig working as a hired gun. This is for Orion Pictures. It's an adaptation of a novel by the same name by Michael Stewart, uh, who's British, actually. And George adapted it for the screen, writing and directing, and changed the location from Oxford to Pittsburgh, obviously. This was also his biggest budget film at $7 million. Ooh, I should probably state a couple of minutes in here. Uh, I just got boosted and a flu shot, so progressively as I talk, it might get worse. Let's see how it goes. It's a wild ride. Uh, we open to the athletic Alan, Alan Mann, waking next to his, uh, lady friend, Linda, butt naked. <laughs> um, starting his day right with some nude stretches, and then he goes out for a run, puts bricks in his backpack, and fucking before the credits are even done rolling, this dude is paralyzed by a bus. We're just in it to win it here after his operation the family is throwing a party for alan as a hey you fucking survived cool great party kind of thing his doctor is played by stanley tucci we're getting a touch of the tooch up in this one dr john who's like a kind of he's like a world-renowned surgeon but he's real cocky and uh he's kind of putting the moves on linda alan's still in the hospital this is his day like getting out so he's been doing um conditioning and stuff but he is uh quadriplegic so neck down paralyzed he's got uh one of the wheelchairs it's got the little stick and the little breathing tube thing like uh christopher reeves had back in the day uh so yeah he's back home now he's got a really bad beard it's a fake beard um, and Chris Romero's playing his caretaker, nurse, I don't remember, I don't remember her character names, so we'll just call her Nurse Chris. Elsewhere, at this monkey lab, uh, scientist Jeff is wising up some monkeys with the, the, this experimental 
uh, shot is like human brain tissue brain juice and he's friends with alan i don't really know how or why we don't get that next day jeff reports in to his boss the dean of the department who's played by steven root he's requiring we need results you know cut to jeff back at the lab shooting up a monkey with some more brain juice and uh you know this monkey's learning but needs to be away from all the wild animals to um kind of break free from that that let's say reptile brain sure um alan's getting frustrated you know hates his life tries to kill himself with a plastic bag uh but jeff finds him saves his life at the hospital jeff finds that linda is sleeping with dr john now Ooh, i'm getting progressively sicker already look at this this is great then we're with jeff out in the monkey barn meeting melanie who's a trainer for the like helping hands thing he wants to donate his monkey ella the brain monkey and get that monkey into alan's hands uh some time passes and ella is moving in with alan and they quickly bond um melanie's also there to help with the training process ella is playing music and dancing and nurse chris isn't having it she's got this pet bird that's fucking flipping out in the background going crazy next we get a little training montage alan's learning how to use this new chair it's got little gadgets in it like a laser pointer some lights a little treat dispenser for ella uh melanie is also bonding with alan george got some real good footage and performance from this monkey in this movie um i'm just gonna assume that he just rolled tape for hours on this monkey i do remember an interview where he said that they could only shoot with the monkey when it was in heat because it was really um affectionate when it was in heat oh the monkey's name is boo doubling for ella you know ella kind of goes a little rogue here she kind of starts living for herself and puts on music hugs alan it's very sweet they love each other oh ain't it so cute monkeys creep me out the next day melanie gives alan a shave no more fake beard that's a plus later alan's back in law school which he was you know before the accident trying to become a lawyer and uh mel's getting closer to alan uh there's a little scene when he's in the school and the teacher asks a question and ella raises her hand for him and it's real cute people love it monkeys creep me out uh on the slide jeffrey's injecting ella again causing her to freak out you know the dean's been snooping around the lab basically jeffrey's like he's like a fucking speed freak um doesn't sleep he's just like studying and doing experiments all the fucking time you know the dean's probably not a big fan of that shit one night uh nurse chris's bird lands on alan's face and he's like get it the fuck off of me and he almost falls out of the bed which he would have fallen just straight onto his head and probably killed himself so that's cool alan fucking hates this goddamn bird and kind of hates his nurse too later that night ella breaks out of her cage and kills the bird and puts it in her slipper kind of just really remembering how fucking weird this plot is yeah so there's like when ella breaks out and like alan goes into this like weird dreamscape we get like we get like predator cam like evil dead camera movements like with some like color vignetting pov of ella like running through the woods and stuff fucking weird so that happens and alan kind of comes out of it in a haze tells nurse chris that her bird deserved to die so she's quitting alan's mom moves in instead to be the new caretaker uh when she's putting him to bed his hand moves a little and she's like you're fucking crazy you're stupid your hand didn't move you, you dumb idiot <laughs> that night we get more predator cam 
uh alan wakes from like a nightmare really kind of starting to feel like maybe something's going on here the next day he explains this telepathic link thing to to jeff and jeff shoots it down and mel thinks he's crazy because that is kind of fucking crazy alan goes to a different doctor about about his hand movement and they discover i look i'm no doctor so i i think it's like some like slipped disc thing that was like inevitable in a weird way so this doctor is like look man this is this is a pretty rough procedure to do again it's hard to put someone under the knife twice for spinal stuff also spinal stuff's real hard to do anyways so i need concrete proof that you can move your hand and if you can we'll we'll fucking do it we'll fix that nervous system baby so dr john fucked it up uh, is kind of what what that comes down to um he contacts dr john the tooch via linda's number and doesn't say anything just hangs up so he's like yeah i know shit's going on here that's fucked up but that pisses him off so much that he bites his lip and it starts to bleed and then ella comes over and like licks it licks the blood off of his lip it's grosses me the fuck out monkeys are weird and i don't like their tiny hands subconsciously via his link he burns their house down so dr john and linda are dead as fuck now they're assholes fuck them <laughs> so Alan feels guilty about this the next day because he feels like his anger is being transferred to the monkey and the monkey's doing his bidding, which is exactly what is happening. So Jeffrey takes Ella, runs some tests, and give him some space. He spends the night at Mel's house. They have some hot quadriplegic sex, which I'm not going to lie. I really don't know exactly how that works. I'm assuming it's a lot of mouth stuff. At the lab, Ella Ella wants the jab. She's a fucking junkie to that good, good brain juice, man. And uh, he gives it to her. And then, you know, they spend a little bit more time together. And then Jeffrey's like, man, I didn't know what this shit's all about. So he injects himself with the fucking brain juice and he zonks out from a weird brain juice overdose doesn't die but just is like and passes out earlier at the hospital alan's told to give that concrete proof as we said oh my god my voice is going now when ella arrives at the house he can feel her presence and when i say arrive i mean he ella broke free and like came to the house and he when she's around he gets angry basically uh, so he lashes out at his mother. They have a huge fight. She slaps the shit out of him. And then he's like, I fucking hate you, you piece of shit. <laughs> and back at the lab, Jeffrey comes to. He's attacked by all the monkeys in the lab. And uh, back at Alan's house, Alan's mom is murdered by Ella when she throws a hairdryer into the tub. It's crazy, man. This monkey's nuts. Jeffrey believes Alan, rushes over but it's too late alan's mom is dead tells alan about the drug alan's like that's fucked up dude why the fuck did you do that man i trusted you you were my best friend ella attacks jeff with a razor a straight razor i think like gets like a little cut in and he like throws the monkey away or something i don't know man they have a little tussle she also cuts the phone line like bites the phone line so nobody can make a call out the only phone available is the one in the kitchen and then jeff kind of starts tracking ella around tracks her to a closet she injects him with poison jeff had two syringes i should have said that jeff had two yeah jeff had two syringes that were filled with with poison so he's dead 
back in the kitchen. Alan's trying to get to that phone, knocks it over. I think Mel calls and he like scoots over, bumps the phone off the hook. It falls to the ground and she can hear the monkey and then she's like, fuck, gotta go. But the phone's on the ground and his um, wheels get tangled up in the cord and gets he gets just like free as Ella kills the power to the house. We're pretty much in the back part here. This is going to be a real short episode because I feel like shit after these shots. <laughs> so yeah, power's out. Uh, his chair's got lights on it. She actually goes and gets treats out of her cage and gives them to him to show her dominance over him. But he's like kind of buttering her up you know tells her to go get food then he like scoots over to the to the window starts yelling for help nobody comes uh she directs him to the dinner table where she lit a candle which means yoda's monkey ain't afraid of fire she burnt that house down uh mel shows up and ella attacks mel she falls over cracks her head on the table then she jumps on alan pisses all over him to show more dominance ella then comes back over with a needle is about to stab mel little little monkey puppet hands <laughs> um, and as l is about to stab mel he moves his hand over to the radio because the power's back on moves his hand over to the radio starts playing their song she drops the needle comes over to hug alan he bites her neck and just fucking ragdolls her body for like three fucking minutes boom lightning crash then we're back on the operating table and then like he's getting his back cut open and then boom a monkey jumps through the hole in his back scary it's jump scare he wakes up in the hospital from that nightmare and you know mel's there they get in a van roll credits here's the thing though man he gets some spinal surgery second time getting spinal surgery in two years and this dude's just gonna be able to walk again instantly no physical therapy no pt no no stress tests no nothing this guy's just on crutches walking around that's fucked up man that ain't true he'd be nah 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 dude he would have been walking like those fucking astronauts after they get to earth after being on the fucking space station for like 16 years no fucking way okay so i mean like it's a fun little movie though no no special effects work by savini but he does get a stunt credit which is kind of cool. The film, you know, like most horror movies, uh, was largely a critical bomb and unfortunately didn't make its money back. Ended up coming out at like 5.3 million on a 7 million budget. Um, but let's let's look at some critic stuff. Our good friend Roger Ebert here gave it a very middling review of 2.5, but he did have some actual good things to say. He said the side story with the Dean could have probably been cut down, which is very true. Trim the movie down to 90 minutes instead of its two-hour runtime. I think two hours is way too fucking long for this movie, even though I did like it. Although in Ebert's review, he did call uh, Chris Romero a harpy. And uh, I think that guy's got a weird thing about women. I think he might not really like women very much. <laughs> um, so the Washington Post, uh, Richard Harrington enjoyed the film, praised the three leads, um, especially Jason Beggs, B-E-G-H-E, Beg, Begha, Be- Allen. <laughs> um, he did, however, say that all the women deserved it, you know, deserving to be lashed out at and murdered, I guess sensing a theme of just like white dude film critics who might hate women and it's uh i don't know why it has to be so goddamn toxic 
But here comes another one, baby. Uh, the LA Times' Michael Wilmington called it the best of its genre since The Fly. Shouted out the, the female characters and gave a shout out to Martin. I think this dude fucking gets it, man. This guy, this guy knows Romero. This guy knows horror. There was another review. I forget where it was. It wasn't the LA Times. It was another newspaper that said it was the best monkey movie since King Kong. And uh, that's real fun. I like that. I think it's kind of a hokey ending. It's a little bit too sweet, too saccharine for Romero. Doesn't really feel Romero in that way because that dude loves bleak endings and killing off main characters as our good friend Epion5 uh, brought to my attention. Overall though, I like this a lot better this time. This is my second time watching it. I own it on DVD, I own it on VHS, I kind of wish I had the Blu-ray, but it's out of print, and now it's like $120, and I'm not about to spend that much money on a monkey movie. It's not Romero's best, it's not his worst. In a regular filmography, this would be right in the middle, but because Romero has such a weird curve, it ends up in the back half, because those first, like, seven movies that Romero did are, like, five four-star films. Um, if you want to see my ranking of the Romero films, I'm doing it on Letterboxd as I go. Um, you can find it under my lists of ranked George Romero at AeroSoulPro, A-E-R-O-S-O-U-L-P-R-O on Letterboxd. And that is the end of Monkey Shines. So the second movie is actually a Romero film that I had never seen before. It is a two-story anthology film based off the works of Edgar Allan Poe, Two Horror Titans, George Romero, Dario Argento, knocking it the fuck out here. Very exciting stuff. He's still alive. From the creators of Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead. Two evil eyes. The terror of George Romero. The suspense of Dario Argento. Their kind of evil. I am dead. Goes beyond all evil. Two evil eyes. Rated R. It opens in Baltimore at Poe's grave, and then it cuts to the Poe house, which are places I've been, so that's fucking cool too. Our first story is George's take on the facts in the case of Mr. Valdemar, a story I'm not familiar with. There is some, like, other Poe stuff wrapped into these stories. Uh, Adrian Barbeau is in the back of a cab practicing telling off her husband's attorney, Mr. Pike, uh, she's infamous around town and heralded as a heralded? Yeah, sure. Heralded as a gold digger for, you know, marrying this older man. That dude is dying. He's on his deathbed and she wants her fucking share. So she basically has her husband's will changed. Pretty sure forges the signature on it. You know, that's why she's at the attorney here to, to get that changed and uh, notarized and processed. Uh, she pulls off this heist, comes home to the, you know, the doc, Robert, the doctor, who's also in on the deal. He's the one that's like, like, okay, so this old dude's worth like millions of dollars. And I think that the deal is like, once it's done, they're going to split it. So he, he okayed this deal, you know, gave some signatures, said that, that this dude okayed it. The way that he got Ernie is the, the old man's name. The way he got Ernie to 
say that he agreed to these things on the phone was that he was hypnotized that's right there's fucking hypnotism in this thing (laughs) yeah so so the doc is like a hypnotist as well he uses this like pyramid like mechanical metronome thing to hypnotize people um the next day she's told that she can't touch the assets for three weeks while the paperwork processes and nothing better happen to Ernie, or else she doesn't get any of it. Basically, if he dies before the three weeks, they use the old will, which she's not a part of, if that makes sense. So she gets a little bit of money out of the bank, takes it home, hides it in a safe, the first of the cash. Robert sees it, and he's like, yo, what the fuck's going on over there? What's that all about? And she's like, don't you worry about it, none of your problem. So as Ernie's final fuck you, he dies that night. And the couple decide not to report it. Uh, Robert's basically like, look, they need a death certificate. I'll be the one to issue the death certificate. We'll just do it three weeks from now. And then she's like, but the body decomposes, right? And he's like, yeah, let's put it in the deep freezer downstairs to slow the decomposition. Uh, So the next day she gets more cash and hears these like moans from Ernie echoing from the basement. Uh, as Robert is passed out from his metronome, he like hypnotizes himself and goes to sleep. That's his thing. She goes to inspect and hears Ernie just clear as day, freaks the fuck out. The next day, the two uh, go down to the freezer, pop it open, and Ernie's body is talking. It's like communicating. He calls out for Jessica. You know, she freaks out, and then the doctor's like super intrigued. You know, running some tests, talking to the the guy and he's talking back so he's like this this is the thing i thought it was going to end up being that the doctor was playing this joke uh, or like it was like pre-recorded and he was just pulling the wool over her eyes and was going to kill her and take the money but that's actually not what happened there not at all turns out the the old man is still hypnotized uh so jessica adrian barbeau's character jessica shoots him and is like there he's fucking dead he's fucking dead you see which fucks up their alibi because now he's got bullet holes in him so they opt to bury him outside in the woods and they're like fuck it we'll just change the story we'll figure it out we'll say he got buried somewhere else but actually what happens is that ernie ernie's uh through hypnotism there's a portal that's open through him that can let quote the others out so they have to actually close the portal. The doctor does it by doing that that you know the hypnotism thing of like on the count of five you'll you'll be the 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 connection will be broken or whatever. So he does that, counts to five. You know, oh shit, no something else happens. Yeah, Ernie gets buried in the woods and then comes comes to digs himself out, grabs Jessica, makes her shoot herself in the head, and then Robert pulls ernie out of the out of the the hypnotism by counting to five but it's too late later the coroner is called and detective tom atkins is called in to piece this together looking great pretty much dressed and playing it exactly like his character from night of the creeps but without the catchphrases back at robert's penthouse uh he's got all of the stolen money and it's like swirling around the room as he's sleeping with his metronome going which means he's hypnotized the others show up and they're like these weird like shadow people and they pick up his uh metronome and just thrust it into his chest murdering him and then detective tom atkins shows up to investigate this penthouse because of all the money 
and finds a zombie Robert and a new portal. And as he's like screaming, the story ends. Boom. Done. That's Romero's piece. Next is Dario Argento's piece. Our first Argento on this show. That's fucking great. This one's called The Black Cat, starring Harvey Keitel. Keitel plays Rod, I think. I just call him Keitel in this, I think. Keitel is a crime photographer. We see him working a scene in the opening here that is very reminiscent to the pit and the pendulum. It's it's a dead woman that's on a table, and there's a swinging blade, and he's taking photographs of it. And there's, like, you know, detectives there and shit, too. As he develops his work, a black cat wanders into his studio, and he's like, get this fucking cat out of here, in a, you know, that, that way that Keitel can be. Keitel's really good at pre- being angry all the time. Man, this shot, this sucks. <laughs> so his girlfriend, Annabelle, who's like violinist music teacher or something, yeah, that's it. She's like instantly attached to this cat. As they sleep, the cat claws and hisses. So this cat clearly hates Kaitel, which is fair. He's scary. Uh, the next day, while working, he attempts to, you know, connect with the cat. You know, I'm going to hang out with this cat. Uh, the cat is not cooperating. He gets pissed off, starts strangling it, incorporates it into his photography. He fucking gets abusive, kills the cat in the process of this. Annabelle's like, hey, where's the cat? I know you killed that cat. And uh, he's like, how the fuck could you say such a thing? And then he hits her for saying it. It's not really helping his case much. That night as he dozes off, he has a nightmare of, like, jesters and in his house. In his super foggy house. Uh, also, his house in this is fucking beautiful. It's great. So he follows the noises that these people are making outside his house. And he finds himself transported like the Middle Ages where women were burned for owning black cats as a sign of witchcraft. In the dream, witch Annabelle calls him out as a murderer and they like hoist him up. I thought he was going to be drawn and quartered, but he gets dropped onto a pike and it goes like through his ass up through his mouth, dude. It's fucking nuts. This movie's crazy. Um, As he drops onto the spike, he wakes up and he's at a, you know, the next scene he's in a, he's at work at a crime scene. And they're, like, hauling off this guy as as Keitel shows up. He's a killer dentist. He's a dentist killer. It's Tom Savini. His whole thing is killing people and ripping their teeth out when they're dead. That's fun. Uh, <laughs> and the, the detective's like, yo, you need to check this out. Get some pictures of this. And the detective's holding a box that's just filled with teeth, and he's laughing like a maniacal person as, like, Keitel's in this, like, haze fog, you know. At her violin practice... Annabelle kisses her um, co-chair, I guess is what this this guy is. On the way home, she sees Keitel's new book in a window. And the, the cover of the book is like hands strangling a cat in front of a painting. It also showcases a lot of his death photography from crime scenes. And more pictures of the cat being strangled. And she's like, I am done. I am fucking done. I'm moving out as soon as possible she gets home starts packing her shit leaves a letter and then kaitel like comes home as she's comes home as she's like leaving and she like hears him because he he fixed that cat he found another cat you know to replace the one that he murdered and then as he's like looking at the cat he sees like a white mark on the cat 
that's the same white mark from his dream and he like discerns like oh that's a noose i have to i have to strangle his cat now that's my job so he starts strangling the cat annabelle comes up and is like what the fuck are you doing it knocks him out starts to run cat runs for the window he catches up to them swings a a, in the kitchen swings a meat cleaver at the cat the cat doesn't get hit by it and then she's like what the fuck are you doing and then he's like fuck this cleaves right into her murders her dead she's fucking dead you get a scene of like him bringing the body upstairs and putting her in the tub just so like she's not bleeding everywhere and then the neighbor shows up and is like what the fuck is going on in here because he was playing really loud music to cover up all of the noise and there's like blood everywhere and he's like ah yeah i i I cut my foot on the way down here sorry about that he so he gets this like elaborate plan to hide the body by basically cask of amontilladoing her behind a false like a wall behind a built-in bookcase you know her her music students are coming around like yo where's where's annabelle like we had a thing and he's like she went on tour she's in uh uh new york yeah that's right new york (laughs) um you know he builds this elaborate alibi he built he like he gets a dummy and like puts her up a picture of her on the face of it and like makes it scene that he's seen with her and goes up to his like vacation house and is like yeah we went up there we we went on vacation and uh yeah now she's on tour and like people are starting to ask questions uh the neighbors the students they call the cops and are like yo something's wrong here something's really wrong you need to go check this out because his story is like falling apart here it's already getting it's getting pretty muddled pretty quickly so he comes back from this little vacation time the house is kind of quiet and he hears scratching behind the bookcase and he's like what the fuck is that and he pulls all of the books off of it and a cat a cat claws its way out of the wall apparently he accidentally built built the cat into the wall somehow so he saws the cat's head off kills the cat throws it away this dude is just scum man (laughs) um next day a detective show up on suspicion of annabelle's disappearance as i said they're the same detectives that that kaitel has worked with at these crime scenes so like they're kind of friendly they kind of know each other and they're like yeah you know there's probably nothing but we gotta check it out um suspicions and kaitel gives them some stories like yeah we split up you know and he's like why'd you say that she went on tour and he's like well those fucking people don't need to know my shit so i gave them you know some other shit fuck them they don't need to know anything the detective's like yeah you're you're probably right i'm sorry man um hey can i have this book your new book can you sign it for me and uh as he's signing it you can hear scratching upstairs and the other detective there's two detectives the 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 other detective runs upstairs and is like hey something's up with this wall look at this wall it's fresh they cut into the wall to find who okay here we go <laughs> they cut in this fresh wall to find annabelle like strung up in there and she is a the cat from before had kittens and annabelle has just been a buffet for these these kittens there's just like it's her husk of a body in her is kittens hairless kittens that have been feeding on her dead body huh uh the police apprehend con the police apprehend kaitel and then they're like kind of distracted by how disgusting this shit is 
Uh, he stabs them, but now he's, you know, he kills one, kills the other, but he's cuffed to a dead cop, and uh, the keys fell downstairs. So he attempts to escape out the window as he can hear, like, the neighbors starting to come inside. So I think the plan was, like, I'm going to drop myself down from the window with this rope. But in the process, he accidentally makes a noose and hangs himself. And that's it. Roll credits. Basically, the the little, like, witch story sequence um, was prophesizing that he was going to hang because he's a murderer. And he did. It's pretty good. It's a nice little story. I think if both of these were kind of trimmed down a little bit more, they could have easily been a segment in like a creep show or Tales from the Dark Side type of movie. Honestly, I kind of would have liked it if they were trimmed down a little bit more and maybe we got one more one more director in there. I know John Carpenter was supposed to do a a, a segment, but scheduling conflicts, he couldn't couldn't make it. That would have been amazing. If you want to see any any John Carpenter anthology stuff, check out Body Bags. That's a fun little uh, anthology film. I didn't really write anything for for the end of <laughs> for the end of this one because I was super tired last night. Wow, my arm! Oh my god, that feels weird. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Let's do a little free flow, free form here on Two Evil Eyes. This is my first time ever seeing it. So I I didn't really know. I knew it was based on Poe stories, but I didn't know anything about it. Savini does the effects again for this, which is cool. He gets the little cameo as the killer dentist in that in that Argento scene. It's all shot in Pittsburgh, which is very interesting having Argento come to Pittsburgh to shoot something. I yeah, I liked it. I mean, it's not I haven't rated it yet. Um if once again if you want to see the ratings and the rankings, check out my letterbox Aerosol Pro, but I would guess it's it's not as good as the crazies. It's it's not as good as Monkey Shines, in my opinion. So it's probably near the bottom of the of the stack, but also like I said, that the front even more than the front half of Romero's filmography is super strong. So it's still good. I wouldn't mind owning it, actually, but, uh, you know, that's all, that doesn't say much. I'm a weird completist. I mean, fuck, I don't even like Ghostbusters Afterlife, and I'm probably going to get that 4K Blu-ray. But I digress. Yeah, so that's today's double feature. Join us next time for another double feature of Romero. We are getting there, man. There's not very many episodes left. The rest of these are solo, aside from one more episode with a guest. Also, when I said there was a guest this episode, I meant Dario Argento shows up, and that's pretty fun and cool. Join us next week. We're doing The Dark Half, which is a Stephen King adaptation, and Bruiser, which is a film I have never seen before. I know that it had some involvement from the misfits around the time he made bruiser he made a music video for the misfits for their song scream which i believe was in the michael graves era and yeah i think that's it i think that's all i got to say about these two films thanks for listening guys if you liked what you heard please follow the show on instagram at electric monster podcast or you can follow my own personal instagram check out my art at Pro. A-E-R-O-S-O-U-L-P-R-O. You can shoot direct messages to either of those two, and I will respond, especially looking for any kind of feedback on the Electric Monster page if you have any recommendations or anything to say about the show, period. I'd like to hear it. Um, I think with that said, thanks for listening. Stay scared. Oh, just call me Kelly. Everyone does.
grandfather or the godfather of zombies. Zombies cannot run. Their ankles would snap. I mean, you know, what did they do? Go and join a spa the moment they uh, rose from the dead? Give me a break. They're dead. <laughs> Fucking hard. 